Sincerely the Armstrongs. My name is Alyssa. Usually I host this podcast with my husband, Evan, um, but in honor of National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, I wanted to have my very first solo talk with you guys and talk about something really close to my heart. It is bright and early right now. Currently, I am recording this at 6 o'clock in the morning, so if you hear me slurping some coffee or the birds outside, that is because it is a beautiful morning in the Armstrong household. For those of you that don't know, Evan and I just moved and we both accepted these exciting new positions, but that has meant learning to become a morning person. I don't know if any of you out there are naturally a night person and you've ever had to try to be a morning person, but it is interesting, let me tell you. I love the mornings, I love sunrise, I think all of it is beautiful and magical, but come about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and I am ready for a nap, like I'm back in preschool or something. (laughs) So I wanted to go ahead and... um, like I said, I want to talk to you guys today about eating disorders, um, which I know is a kind of heavy topic, but if any of you are listening who has ever dealt with it, um, you know how important it is to talk about it, and hopefully this episode is for more than those who have struggled with eating disorders, but for anyone who's ever struggled with body confidence or you want to gain a better understanding of what me be happening to someone you know who struggles with body confidence or also eating disorders, um, I am going to do my best to present this research in a clear way. Um, This is all research I've done throughout the years, but if you ever have questions about anything I share, feel free to reach out, do your own research. Um, Eating disorders are really hard to, I don't know, kind of talk about in this format because there is so much that we don't know. So if I seem like I'm being vague, it's probably because we don't really know the research on something yet. So I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa when I was in high school. Um, Eating disorders, obviously I think anorexia, bulimia are talked about quite a bit, but there are actually about 10 different eating disorders Um, And they look different. They look different on the people that they're influencing. And oftentimes, um, because it's a mental disorder, it can be something that you experience. And then you're living with the repercussions of it on your body for a long time after you've entered into recovery. And you can also have a lot of relapses or um, even struggle with symptoms of it for the rest of your life. Um, I obviously, when I started to take recovery really serious, I entered into um, like therapy and things to help me process, and I had a great support system to help me through. But to this day, I can say that it's still hard sometimes. When you have a mental disorder, it's not like your brain just suddenly shuts that off and you're like, oh. I know it's wrong, and now I can just stop being wrong. Like, that just doesn't happen. Um, And part of that, which we'll talk about later, but part of that is because, you know, it's something that you're having to think about every day. We have to interact with food on a daily basis. Um, So 
eating disorders are caused by, we're not really actually sure what. Um, they are a mental disorder, but we're not really sure if it is something that people are genetic for. We're not really sure if it's something that um, is solely influenced by like culture. We're not really sure if it's something that is... Um, we're not really sure if it's something that is just caused by like a traumatic event. Um, and what it seems to be like the common everyone's agreed on in the research community is that it's a little bit of yes and. So you might carry a little bit of genes for it. You might have a traumatic event and you might, you know, be in a culture that helps you support an eating disorder. Um, there is just a lot of different factors that can go into it, though, and everyone's experience of getting there is different. The one thing that I want to kind of caution against is I absolutely love the work that's being done through particularly um, platforms like Instagram that are talking about body positivity, um, but I've also seen people take just like this extreme approach of like, it's all media that has given you this poor self-esteem issue. <laughs> and like, that's a total misrepresentation of what an eating disorder is, um, which is kind of the difference between, you know, an actual eating disorder and just like low self-esteem or low body image issues. Um, and that is because... Eating disorders don't necessarily even start because of a body insecurity. Um, they oftentimes are more closely related to a need for control, um, wanting to like actually physically disappear. They're really closely tied with uh, with anorexia, obviously. They're really closely tied to um, anxiety. And so it's not just about like, oh, I think that, you know, my stomach is big and I need to diet. It's a lot more extreme than that. And so it's not just caused from reading like Seventeen magazine as a little girl. And with that, too, the goal isn't usually to um, like look really great. It's more of a desire to... Um, control your food, control something in your life. I know for me pers personally, like I shared, I had anorexia, which meant that my thoughts were more of like, I want to physically disappear. I want to be able to count my ribs. I want to be so thin that people are scared about me. It wasn't about looking um, like a babe, <laughs> you know, I wasn't getting bikini ready. Like it's um, this disorder that overwhelms your mind with a need to um, you know, there's going to be different ways that it's expressed through different eating disorders, but it's really unhealthy extremes in whatever way that you're going. There is a lot of versatility within um, what an eating disorder might manifest as. There are actually about 10 different eating disorders. I feel like anorexia and bulimia and maybe binge eating are usually like the most common, but um, there are a lot of different ways that our eating can be disordered and it messes with our life and our sanity and um, a healthy way of just like doing day-to-day -day things. One of the, I think, key signs of acknowledging, you know, where your thinking's at, and this can be for somebody who 
has struggled with an eating disorder or it can be um, for someone who's maybe just trying to work on their self-talk. But, you know, think about how much time during the day are your thoughts thinking about food? Are they thinking about exercise? Are they thinking about um, your physical appearance? And these are all things that when you have an eating disorder, it becomes so life-consuming. It is your day to night thought 24-7. So a lot of eating disorders have what we call as like rituals. Um, And these rituals are something that you repeat every day and you literally, I think the definition is like you can't not do it. (laughs) Um, This in my life looked like things of I had to eat the exact same breakfast every day in the exact same way. Um, Otherwise, I would honestly be like in tears and, um, you know, I wouldn't eat breakfast. And it was really like strenuous actually to not be able to have any freedom within that. Um, Other rituals can be, you know, weighing yourself, measuring yourself, the way that you eat. um, One, a lot of these rituals are actually like shared between people that have the same eating disorder without obviously there ever being like a collaboration. Like it's not like, you know, people get together and they're like, oh, you have this eating disorder too. Well, let's make sure we both have this ritual. Like um, somehow people tend to develop similar rituals. Um, One of those that's really popular is that you break apart your food into certain ways, and that can often be to make it feel like you have more food than you're actually eating. Um, It becomes just this like set routine that you do with your food no matter what, and you can't eat your food unless you do it in this way. Um, So those are all things just to kind of, I think, be aware of and they also make eating disorders distinct from just you know well I'm trying to diet or you know I'm feeling unhealthy about my body right now. The other part that often comes with eating disorders but I think also we probably all struggle with to some extent is body dysmorphia. Um, I personally when looking back on my life, it's really easy to see that I had early predictions of somebody who would have an eating disorder and have body dysmorphia. Um, There's a story in my family about the time that I was three years old and we were all going to go out in the snow. Um, And you know, three years old, you're not picking out your own clothes yet. Like you're barely learning to color. And I had a complete breakdown because my mom put me in a ski jacket and snow pants and I thought that they just made me look super poofy. Um, And then I honestly don't remember that moment in my childhood. Um, But I can tell you that pretty much my entire adolescence felt like, you know, like I never got out of those ski pants. Um, It felt like I forever was living in a body that was like large and cumbersome and I never was able to see what other people were telling me they saw and um you know if that was in the mirror or in photos um there was a lot of years where I couldn't take a photo without crying or um look in the mirror without thinking really awful thoughts um and I 
think that that is just another teller of really warped mental perception. And it's something that probably a lot of Americans at least deal with is an inability to identify like truth and reality about our own looks. Um, you know, it's hard to take in fully what we look like from someone else's perspective. Um, and then this is something that I think can be perpetuated by maybe, um, like beauty standards or things like that. You know, we never quite measure up to what we think might be a reality we want to achieve. Um, but more than that, body dysmorphia starts to become oftentimes you hyper-focus about one specific spot and that can even be areas that aren't related to weight, like your nose, um, and that spot in particular, but then your whole body just looks different from what reality is and not just different, like, oh, you know, I, I have a little bit more pudge than I'd like. It looks different, like in a very drastic way, but you so wholly believe that it's truth. Um, and I know for me personally, when you're recovering from something like that, it creates a really big distrust with yourself because you feel like you have to rely on other people to tell you what reality is. And a real idea of self is that you're able to say your own story. You're able to, um, you know, identify with what your reality is. You're able to feel like you have some kind of grasp on what the world is, even if you know that there is room for a lot of people different, like a lot of different ideas of reality or whatever you want to believe, you at least feel like you have your own idea of self. Um, and so recovering from something like body dysmorphia, it's hard because you don't have your own self to rely on. You have become your own worst enemy and you can't believe the thoughts in your head. Um, if you do listen to them, then you're screwed because they're probably not saying great things. And if you don't listen to them, it's hard because you're just constantly in the struggle of like rejecting yourself. Um, which is harmful to the healing process too, right? Because the actual antidote is self-acceptance and self-love. So it's a really tricky process to enter into and even more so to come out of. Okay, a couple of reasons why I think healing from eating disorders can be so difficult. Um, one, bad advice and a bad support group. I remember when I was in the middle of trying to recover, I was farther into my recovery process. I was a high school leader. Um, and, you know, I was later in high school and I was mentoring a bunch of high school girls in my youth group. And um, at one time, I shared my testimony and we were kind of like loving on the girls and we had this really great and powerful night. And then I went over to a friend's house after and... Um, her mom was like a school therapist and um, she pulled out the DSM-5 that she had and she made me sit down with it and talk through each of the required diagnoses for anorexia. Um, and without letting me respond or even say anything, she basically told me that I didn't have it and that... Um, you know, it wasn't messing with my life enough. Um, and thankfully, I was farther into my healing process at that point. But honestly, that was really, like, traumatizing to me. And so if you have experienced anything like that, first, I just want to say, like, I am so sorry. <laughs> but 
one of the reasons I think healing can be so hard is because the general public is extremely um, opinionated about what they want to think is an eating disorder and not, and isn't very well educated on how to handle it. So, um, yeah, if you want to be a good human being, try to educate yourself on it, right? Like, try to be a good friend. Try to understand what might be happening in someone's mind and know that a mental health issue is extremely personal so it's probably better that you just don't say anything at all besides like I love you and what can I do for you (laughs) um another reason I think that it can be so difficult is I think it's kind of almost become popular to have like an eating disorder or you know it's really really common to talk about now and don't get me wrong I think it's awesome the work that has been done to normalize it and to express like this is something that people go through and there are resources for you and even you know body image stuff is really hard so like let's all be there together but I think it can sometimes diminish people's experience when we feel like we're all going through it right so um I've talked about this before in the past but like everyone's parents got a divorce so like why is it that I should get to have any special like trauma I have to work through because my parents were divorced and I think sort of that can translate with an eating disorder too like everyone has body image issues so like what makes mine special and then you start to diminish the problems that you are actually having and Honestly, friend, it's just not worth it. (laughs) If you are having any sort of disordered eating, if you are having consistent negative thoughts about your body, um, if you can't take photos, if you can't get out of bed, if it is the only thing always on your mind, like, that is worth confronting. Um, And it's better to confront it early on than not confront it at all and let it escalate into something worse. Um, Another reason that it can be extremely hard to heal from this process. And this is something that I mentioned earlier, but if you are trying to be there for someone, like, please keep this in mind. It is basically like asking an alcoholic to every day consume just one drink. Um, So if you've had an eating disorder you obviously have to keep eating and you have to keep eating for the rest of your life and you have to completely rework your thoughts and opinions and even your body's ability to accept (laughs) food and it's strenuous, you know? You're having to try to heal from something and you don't even get a break from it. Like, you don't even get to stop having food. Well, you shouldn't stop having food to be able to heal from this. So, um, you know, there's a lot of grace in the process. And if you're being there for someone, please give them grace and understand that it is going to take a while to be able to rework this because often too, I think that it's easier to heal from something when we get a break from it, right? Like if you get a breakup and you take a clean cut and you get some space, it's a lot easier to heal from it than if you're having to go and have lunch with that person every single day. So um, eating disorders are tricky. Beauty standards obviously, of course, perpetuate like body ideals. And I think even for people where it doesn't necessarily start from um, a place of wanting to, you know, meet a certain beauty standard, like, that can almost help 
egg you on. Um, in my personal experience, I didn't really care much about beauty standards, but then I remember getting to the age of about 13 and feeling like, well, if I can look like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen and just be, like, cool and edgy, then, you know, it will actually be seen as a good thing. (laughs) But, like, it was so much more than just wanting to be small. Like, I physically actually wanted to disappear. Um, And so I think beauty standards can kind of be used as, like, a a band-aid or, like, a an extra leg to stand on when it comes to supporting your self-talk about why it's okay that you're doing what you're doing. And then lastly, I think it can be difficult to heal because it's caused by so many different things. Um, Like I mentioned before, there is potentially genetic components, there is potentially, you know, traumatic components, and there is um, cultural influence, and there's even other influences than these. Those are just, like, the three top ones that are kind of basic. But um, even in my own experience, like, I have an autoimmune disease. So I've looked into, well, you know, can an autoimmune disease have symptoms of anorexia, or can anorexia cause an autoimmune disease? And the answer, like I said before, kind of is, like, yes and, <laughs> like, maybe my autoimmune disease was there first and it gave me a lot of anxiety and anxiety is proven to lead to eating disorders sometimes but also sometimes eating disorders might lead to anxiety and it's kind of just like this big circle of like there's so many different components you can't just treat it with one thing you can't just be like oh you have a headache take this pill (laughs) because it's everything there's roots in everything in your entire body system is having to deal with it, your entire mental system is having to deal with it, and then your cultural self is having to deal with it. Um, Eating disorders, you know, aren't biased on who they choose to impact. I think oftentimes we view it as women, and that is true that women do take up a large portion of who is impacted by eating disorders, but it doesn't mean that men aren't impacted too. It doesn't mean that kids aren't impacted too. Um... When you might be triggered is different for me. Like I said, I started showing symptoms of it at three years old. I started acting on it in eighth grade. So, you know, I started as a child. (laughs) It doesn't wait till it's convenient in life for you. It doesn't wait until you're infiltrated enough by, you know, LA culture. It doesn't wait until you are a woman. (laughs) Like, it impacts who it's going to impact. And there's a lot of different reasons why it might do that. So I wanted to share just a couple of things that were helpful to me and my journey when it came to healing. Obviously, I'm going to start with a disclaimer here. I am not in any way certified. Um, Most of this advice is extremely personal and just things that I personally have been through or I have seen friends and it's been helpful for them. I am not certified only try this at home if you are somewhere deeper into your healing journey. Um, This advice obviously is not if you are in the heart of dealing with an eating disorder. Um, If that is you, please go seek professional help. There's never shame in needing help. Um, You are worth it and valuable And I would love to see you be your healthiest. So please, please, please go seek some help. 
Um, for those of you who maybe have struggled more with just like body image issues or you are deeper into your healing journey of having an eating disorder, um, some of the things that I have found to be really helpful are having um, three specific roles in my life of the people that I let in. Um, <clears throat> those roles are teachers, mentors, and friends. And I think that it is really important to have all three of those roles and to have them be played by separate people. Oftentimes I think it's easy to find one good person and be like, oh, they're my mentor. And also they teach me so much. And then like, we're great friends on the weekend. And it's just a lot to ask of one person. Um, and so I think it's important to have these three kind of distinct roles in your life so that you're always having those needs met and you're not like draining one person to be your all. Um, when it comes to teachers, then, you know, that can be played by somebody who isn't even actually in your life. It can be played by like Rachel Hollis, for instance, is somebody who I'd consider as a teacher to me because she is somebody who I listen to on a regular basis. Um, it could also be that a teacher is someone whose personality you don't really like jive with. Like maybe you guys wouldn't be friends, but they have really good resources for you. Um, a mentor then is somebody who should be in your life. And I think they can often have the responsibility of like calling you out on your crap. Part of eating disorder behavior, as well as I think just maybe people who struggle with body image in general, um, is that it's really easy to get crafty and to even get like deceptive in what you do. <laughs> um, that for me looked like people would ask me what I'd eat in a day or I'd have to keep a food log and they would just be very dishonest. Um, my responses would be very dishonest. So, you know, have a mentor in your life, somebody who is aware of maybe how you might bend the truth and can call you out on your crap. And then have friends. And that kind of goes into the next important thing that I think is really helpful in a healing journey. Um, have friends so that you can talk a lot. <laughs> have friends that can help you laugh. Have friends that can help you find new hobbies. Have friends that can help you um, stay hopeful when it's really hard. Um, friends are super vital and they shouldn't be the people that are having to teach you the most. They shouldn't be the people that are always having to hold you accountable. Like they should get to just listen and be and laugh and cry with you. <clears throat> um, the next thing that I personally found really helpful was being able to talk about it a lot. Um, like I said, having an eating disorder is something that takes up your entire life, takes up your entire mind. You're constantly repeating your rituals. For me, that could look like weighing myself six times a day and then <laughs> filling in my fake food log and then um, working out two to three times a day, um, staying super busy so that I couldn't focus on the hunger. And when you're having to entirely reframe your life and step into something new and replace your thoughts with brand new things, being able to just talk about it often is really helpful instead of denying that those are your thoughts or denying that that is what you thought about. You know, being able to just say like, oh my gosh, normally right now this is what I would be doing. 
and then just like sitting there in it. <laughs> um, it's extremely helpful. And even if people think it's annoying, then honestly, I don't really care. And they probably shouldn't be in your life because if you are choosing to heal from any sort of self-rejection, then kudos to you. And you have all the freedom in the world to talk about it as much as you need to. Also, I think that finding new things to fill your time with is really important. So, you know, as much as being able to talk about it helps you get it out, you now want to find something to fill that time with. So pick up a new hobby, pick up some good books, find ways to stretch your creativity. Um, Make sure that you're not filling your time with things that are just like numbing, but really embrace, you know, joy, really embrace creativity, um, really embrace this opportunity to make yourself into a healthier person. Um, Focusing on what you can have and the wins. (laughs) This is going to sound weird, but something I am really thankful for about my eating disorder and I don't know, a place of gratitude I've even come to with having the experience of having an eating disorder was and is, (laughs) I'm nervous, can you tell? Um, (laughs) Having an eating disorder taught me to focus on what I can have. Um, It taught me to not pay so much attention to what I'm restricting myself from and to pay attention to what I am putting in my body. So that goes in all ways, right? That goes in actually like paying attention to not just thinking about now like, oh my gosh, I can't have carbs. I can't have whatever it is. I can't have chocolate. I can't have sweets. And now I focus on like, hey, what can I give my body today that is going to be really healing for it? And what opportunities can I have to give myself information that's going to be really helpful for it? Um, And I think that goes into the other areas of my life too of like, if I'm going to focus on what I can have, I'm going to focus on the wins. And I think especially in our society today when we're expected to be all and do all like it's too much we're actually we shouldn't be trying to do it all and be it all and not everything is good for us and not everything is good for us in every season so I think if you can learn to retrain your thoughts to be grateful for what you can have and that can be not even just about eating that can be about you know maybe you are injured right now and you can't go for long runs like you used to but maybe you can still do yoga or maybe you can still read really great books or maybe you can celebrate the fact that you ran a half marathon in the past like it doesn't invalidate the experiences you did have and it doesn't make that what you can do right now any less (laughs) um so I think there's like radical permission to be able to say that not everything is good for you right now that you can't do everything right now And that doesn't disqualify or demean the things that you can do. Um, So learning to just train your thoughts to be really grateful for the things that you can do and the things that you can eat and the things that are wins. You know, if we focus on the wins, if we focus on positivity, then that's what our life is going to be. If we focus on the things that we can't have, then that's what our life's going to be. So choose what you want your focus to be on. And then lastly... Um, 
obviously retraining your thoughts is so important. Um, I think Evan talked about this some even in his anxiety talk, but when you go to the mirror and you have a negative thought about yourself, like replace it with three to five positive thoughts about yourself. And I'm not even talking about like, oh, my thighs are really big, but I got like a really good grade on my English test. Like, no, focus on the positive things of your body. And I think especially in Christian culture, it can be really easy to like diminish how awesome our bodies are because, you know, especially before you're married, like you're not encouraged to have sex. And then, you know, our bodies are just kind of these things we do these acts of like labor and service with. And we don't really learn to like enjoy them as the piece of art that they are. But like reality is that God made your body a piece of art so like celebrate it um and I think that there is permission and there should be so much joy in getting to celebrate your body so retrain your thoughts fill your mind with positive things about yourself um honestly the one to five ratio for every one negative thought that you have you have to come back with five positive ones retrain your thought patterns something that has really helped me is I often think about like what would I tell my daughter in this situation? So it's not going to obviously feel natural when my natural thought is to think, I wish that I was so small, I disappeared. I wish I was so small that the wind could physically carry me away. Would I want my daughter to be that small? Heck no. Would I want my daughter to feel like she couldn't take up that much space in the world? Heck no. Like, I want her to be thriving and beautiful and take up as much space as she needs to. So if you can't even think about the positive things for yourself, then think about it for your future child. Think about it for your best friend, whoever it is that you need to picture to say, no, you deserve better. Speak in that way. Um, And even as a bonus one, just remember in any healing process, no matter it is that you're going through, there is so much grace. There is grace for hard days. There is grace for having it look worse before it gets better and then looking worse again. And then maybe it looks better. Whatever it is your journey, healing is not linear. Um, And there is just so much grace. You are worthy and beautiful and deserving of all of the best things in this world. So if nothing else, know that somebody is thinking about you today and praying for you. And I hope that you just have the best rest of your week, friends. And as always, um, I would love to hear from you guys. So send me any questions that you have, any thoughts, anything that you guys want to see next. I hope that this was helpful to some extent. Um, If nothing else, I think just shedding light on the topic and entering into conversations about what we're all going through is helpful. So your story matters, your journey matters, and you are deeply, deeply loved. We will see you soon.